Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all. And uh, it's my privilege to um, have to introduce our guest guests this morning. And uh, I just wonder, Mike and Tina, I know you don't normally... Actually, you probably do. I wouldn't know. But would, would you guys both join me up here? Because I just want to take a second to... Um, to thank you, and on here, <laughs> did you need the ramp or something to come up on the stage? <laughs> no. <laughs> I just wanted to take a moment. Um, firstly, for those of you who don't know, Pastor Mike and Tina, as Mark mentioned already, are from Maryland in the, the United States, and you'll let us know where that is, because I think most people probably wouldn't be too sure. But I've known uh, this couple for, I think it's about eight or eight, about eight years now. Yeah, and uh, it was it was a God ordained moment actually that we met, and uh, and that's a long story which I can't share today, but I'm happy to tell you in person if you want to ask. But over the last eight years, um, these two and some of their family and, and from their church have often visited Australia and they've um, supported the church around the country. But for Shelley and I in particular, it's been special. Um, you've been encouragers of ours, and whenever we're together, we feel encouraged. And uh, we really want to appreciate you. So I, I wanted just to have that moment with you here as well, Tina, because it's not just Mike. It's the two of you and, uh, and for Shelley and for other, others in this room as well. So I just wanted to say thank you. But could you make them feel welcome to, to Brisbane? Thank you. Well, good morning. Today might be fun because I don't always pick my feet up as far as I should, and so I'm probably going to fall. So if I do, you laugh and laugh hard and enjoy it because then I get to preach you into hell until we get done. <laughs> that was a joke. So at any rate, um, let me tell you a story real quick. Uh, actually, Nathan, because Nathan was right in the middle of this story. Um, uh, I, we were wrestling. We had been asked if we would consider coming out to uh, Australia uh, to do some, uh, some leadership development with some of the pastors. And it's a long story, but we've been asked. And that, I mean, I don't know if you've ever taken the journey to the States, but it's not, it's, it's, it, it ain't short. <clears throat> There's a lot to that, and it's not, and it's not cheap either. And so, and so uh, I was really wrestling with whether or not we should come. And um, I was praying about it, and Tina and I were praying together about it. And I, 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 a friend of a mutual friend said, "Why don't you come to dinner with this pastor from Australia who happens to be in the states?" Well, it was Nathan, and I didn't know that at the time. And uh, and so uh, this Australian and this American met at an Iranian restaurant. <clears throat> just outside of Washington, D.C., which is where we live. We live just outside of Washington, D.C., but do not hold us responsible for anything that happens in that town. We are trying to bring Jesus to that town. Somebody say amen, because that town needs Jesus in a bad way. And so at any rate, um, so I, I, I'm on my way to the restaurant. I literally get a text while I'm driving, and to my credit, I did not read it while I was driving. And so uh, I pull into the parking lot of the restaurant, and actually, the lady that owns this restaurant goes to our church, and so really excited about going there anyway. And I start to read the text, and the text is from a prophetic that is in our church. And the text says, Pastor Mike, God just released me to tell you that the dinner you're about to walk into is important, and somehow we're going to do something in Australia. Now, you have to understand, nobody knew I was going to that meeting. She did not know we were considering this. And so that's why we came eight years ago. And I have to be honest, that's why we're back now for the fifth time on this continent. 
And so we, 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 we love it here. But this time, the last two times we came to help with pastoral development. This time, frankly, Tina and I came <clears throat> for some personal healing. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, and I don't know how, how your life has gone. Perhaps you're here today, and your life has always been roses and rainbows and unicorns. Perhaps you're here today, and everything has always been wonderful. If you are, good. congratulations for being 12. Um, <laughs> Everyone that is over that age has realized that life gets rough sometimes, and the cumulative effect of the hits over the years can cause anyone of any level of strength to feel like, I'm not sure where I'm at right now. You get punch drunk sometimes with life, and what you get more than anything else, I think, is you get labeled. You either have someone in the world label you this way or that, or you allow yourself or the enemy to come into your mind and label you as this or that. Those labels stick. And I'll be honest with you, in today's society, once the label is put in place, nobody will let you out of it. They will immediately put you into a box. I, I, I'm going to assume Australian culture is somewhat like American culture in this sense. People will label you, and once you are labeled, you stay there. They don't, in their minds, you never get out of that. Here's the problem. When we fall into that pattern, in our minds, we never get out of that. And once that label is in place, then the enemy uses that to hold us back from the very, very best that God has for us. When that happens, there must be somehow a break. Let me show you a story. Go with me to Genesis. Turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, and I want to look at a particular story, the story of a man named Jacob. Now, I need you to understand. Let me just, y'all, can we keep it real today? Everybody's okay? Jacob is not a great human. Okay, I don't know if any of you have actually read through his story. I don't mean to, I don't mean to crush anybody here today. He is one of the fathers of the faith. I understand that. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, understand. I get all that, right? But do you understand that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were really messed up? Do you understand that they did things wrong that you would not allow yourself to ever do? Jacob is... I can't say he's the worst because his grandpa kind of set the standard for lying, cheating, having multiple baby mamas. Y'all all right? We okay today? Uh, Y'all, it, it's okay. Once I leave, anything I say that is wrong, Nathan will tell you I was wrong and I'll go back to America. <laughs> but Jacob is not a great human. You say, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you diminish Jacob that way? Because I need you to understand what God does. I don't need you to revere Jacob. I need you to understand God. Listen to this, uh, chapter 32, Genesis chapter 32, starting verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two female servants. Now, hold up a minute. Jacob has two wives, Leah, who has given birth to a lot of kids, Rachel, who has given birth to one. I'm Rachel, right. I did that right. I'm sorry. I've been saying Rebecca. That's his mother, not his wife. So, uh, so, so who's given birth to one. Now, 
Rachel wanted to have more kids with him, so she gave him her servant woman, and that woman had more kids for Rebecca. With, which ticked off Leah, so she gave him her servant girl so that he could have... You realize, you, you, y'all, y'all, you wouldn't let your kids watch this movie. <laughs> and this is the Bible. This is Jacob. We serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think growing up, I always heard that as we serve the God of these mighty and holy and incredibly perfect men who have showed us. That's not what it's saying. We served a God. We served the God who put up with those guys. <laughs> Therefore, I might be all right. He, he, he sent his two wives, two female servants, and eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Now he's going to meet Esau. Now, Jacob's story doesn't start here with the multiple baby mamas. Jacob's story starts with being born as a twin, hanging on to his brother Esau's ankle on the way out because he's trying to take the first. From the moment he's born, he's trying to take the first porn spot. From the moment he's born, he's trying to steal everything that belongs to Esau, and he spends his entire young life doing that. Esau comes back from a hunt. Jacob says, he says, I'm starving. Give me some soup. And Jacob was the cook. Esau was the hunter. Esau's starving. He says, I need some soup. Jacob says, I'll give you soup if you trade me your birthright for it. So I'm actually first and you're not. Esau does not seem to me to be all that bright. <laughs> and so he sells his birthright for soup. I didn't say steak. I said soup. And, and lentil soup at that. <laughs> then later on, Jacob's mama. Now, she was a piece of work too. Don't get me wrong. It's not just the men in these families. The women are kind of messed up as well, ladies. <laughs> she, got, she got Jacob together and said, look, your dad's about to give out his blessing. I wonder, well, let's pretend like you're Esau because he's blind now. He can't see anything. So let's just get, let's just, let's, let's do this. And she sets the whole thing up and they steal the blessing. Jacob has stolen everything from Esau. Esau is ticked off about it, wants to kill Jacob. Jacob runs away, spends many, many years away, builds an entire family, becomes very wealthy. God actually, there's a whole theological thing. You're going to have to talk to your pastor about the fact that God blessed all these things that he did that were messed up, but God blessed him. It's crazy. And he's coming back home. He expects that Esau will try to kill him. In case you think, obviously, because he's coming home, he's gotten saved, he's gotten holy, he's gotten Jesus, he's good now, he's on top of it. <laughs> no. no, as he meets Esau, expecting that Esau will kill them when they get there, you know what he does? He takes his servant women that he has babies with, that he didn't like very much, it's okay, they're just servant women, and their children puts them at the front, so that if Esau sees them, he kills them first. Then he puts Leah and her children behind them so that Esau will kill them next. And then clearly telling everyone who his favorites are, he puts Rebecca and Joseph in the back. 
Rachel and Joseph in the back. Y'all, listen, if I say Rebecca today, I mean Rachel. I don't know what's wrong with me the last couple of days, but I keep doing this. He, does, he puts them in the back. And it, by the way, later on story, those of you who know the story of Joseph, if you, want, if you want to know why Joseph's brothers were so ticked off at him later on in the, the next story, here's right here. It's, it doesn't start with the coat of many colors. It starts with, let's put him in the back so they kill all of you first. Now, the good news is Esau doesn't kill any of them. God's already dealt with Esau's heart. So Jacob was left alone behind as everyone else went forward. And a man, this word man, it, 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 it indicates the angel of the Lord, all capital letters, L-O-R-D. Therefore, it indicates this is either Jesus in a physical presence before his arrival at Bethlehem, or this is God the Father in physical presence wrestling with Jacob. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Here's a sentence I don't really understand, but I'm going to give you my take on. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, if this is God, God can obviously overpower Jacob. Everybody all right? However, it says when he realized, he could, I, I read it this way. Let me put it this way. When the man realized Jacob was not going to quit fighting. Can I teach you something that's not the sermon, it's a different sermon, but I want to teach it to you. Loss, the loss, the failure is not in the fight. The fact that you are battling with temptation, the fact that you are battling with the Holy Spirit, the fact that you are wrestling with, I want to do this, but I need to do that. The fact that that wrestling match takes place far too often as holiness people, we think that wrestling match represents failure. No. The failure is not in the fight. The failure comes when you stop fighting. Because the fight means you're still in it. You haven't given up. And the way I read this is when God saw, when God understood, when God had built the strength of Jacob through the wrestling match such that he could take on what was next in front of him. Then God stopped and said, okay, he's not giving up. This is good. That's how I read this. When he saw he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched. Basically, he knocked his hip out of socket. As he wrestled with the man, then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Don't, y'all, different sermon. Don't stop fighting. Then the man asked him, what is your name? The name Jacob has meaning. It means deceiver. It means usurper. It means one who is trying to take what does not belong to him. As Jacob, see this, wrestles with God and God realizes Jacob is not going to give up. God looks at Jacob and says, tell me your name. And in answering that question, Jacob has to confess to watch the labels that have been put on him because he didn't choose his name. It was put on him by someone else. I'm talking to somebody. Let me tell you what I know about you. Show that first slide if you don't mind. Let me tell you what I know about you. I know that you have an identity and I know that you live in a cycle. 
All of us live in a cycle of identity. We all have some way we identify ourselves. Jacob identifies himself as the liar, the usurper, the one who is trying to steal, the one who is dishonest, the one who deceives. That's the label he is living under. It was put on him by someone else, but once it was put on him, he has then earned it. That's the label he has, and he lives inside of a cycle. Here's how the cycle works. When I accept my definition of who I am, when I accept the label that someone else puts on me or that I put on myself or that the enemy puts on me, when I accept that label, it becomes my truth. That's the second slide. It becomes my truth. Once I accept it, I've, I've said, this is true. This is who I am. When, when, when God asked Jacob, what is your name? He said, he did not respond to something else. He said, I'm liar. I'm deceiver. I'm usurper. I'm the one stealing identity. He owned that label. Now, once you accept that label as your truth, it will then set your thinking. It will set your thinking. Once you set your thinking, watch, watch, watch. If I accept a given identity as my truth, it sets how I think about the world. Once it sets how I think about the world, that causes my actions. I will act out of the way I think. And my actions, repeated enough times, become habits. And those habits reinforce the label that I, either I have accepted or the label that has been put on me. Example. Let me, let me give you some examples. In the U.S., I think you have this here as well. In the U.S., we have uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. They do great work, awesome organization, incredible organization. Everything I can say positive about them, I say positive about them. Everybody's got that, right? I have one issue. That is, someone can be away from drink for 25 years and still introduce themselves as an alcoholic. At what point are you delivered? Because we teach of a God who delivers. Oh, I need an amen out of that. I'm going to do that again. I'm going to need a Pentecostal or two in the house somewhere. Because <clears throat> we serve a God who delivers. We do. So at what point are you actually changed? Now, I understand what they're doing. I get the psychology of what they're doing. I understand that. I'm not opposed to it. It just bugs me. Because at some point, everybody listen to me, God will set you free. But watch what happens. If I keep the label and I say, I am an alcoholic, that is my truth. I've owned it. So that sets how I think. What am I thinking about? I'm constantly thinking about getting or staying away from a drink. That thinking then sets my actions somehow. Those actions repeated can become a habit. And that habit reinforces the label, the truth, the I am that I've had. Let me give you another one. This one actually works for me. I, I, I could go into it. I won't go into it because do me a favor just so it's over with. Everybody go, aw. Okay, good. You've done it. Um, I, I, here's my view of my world. This has always been this way. I've, I've, I have a lot of insecurities in my life and in my world. And I know, I know you don't believe that right at this moment, but God's had me doing this for 35 years, so I'm comfortable. But uh, normal, never mind. I am, if I were to take the label that I put on myself, I am a loser. 
I am the one who, no matter what God has done in my life, I wake up every day assuming that today is the day I'm going to mess it all up and it's going to fall apart. Today's the day I'll make a mistake. Everybody will actually realize who I am. They will, y'all will kick me out of Australia. And that's kind of the way I feel. If I accept that label, it sets my truth. If that sets my truth, that sets how I think about what I do. And I'll start limiting everything I'll do. And I won't accomplish things that, are, that God really wants for me. I won't chase the largest things because I'm afraid I'll lose. I'm afraid that I'll fall. And sometimes the fall seems like a long way down, even though it's always just a fall. Y'all all right? That thinking will then set my actions, so I, get, I do smaller things. That are, those actions set my habits because I see that I've not accomplished to the level that I probably could. Therefore, I really am a loser. See it? I don't know what your label is, but I want to show you something. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then God said, no. No, that's no longer your name. Do you hear that? God said, that's no longer your name. Your name is Israel. I want you to notice something. He does not say your name is Victor. He doesn't say your name is perfect. He doesn't say your name is holy. He doesn't say anything like that. He says, your name is Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Because you didn't stop the fight. Because you didn't give up on the wrestling match. Because you stayed in the battle when you knew you wanted to quit. You stayed in and kept wrestling. When you thought you were the loser, you kept fighting to be the one God made you to be. And you overcame because you didn't stop wrestling. You're not Jacob anymore. You see, here's the thing. I could do a self-help sermon for you right now, right? I'm not going to. I'm not opposed to self-help. Everybody get me right, okay? Don't get me wrong. But that's not what you need. You need an intervention. Oh, do you mean like five people in a room call you in and you didn't know you were, they were there and all of a sudden you come in and they, no. I mean like, you ran into God and God changed your name. See, here's what God can do for us that the rest of the world can't. Can you pop up that next slide? He'll break through our I am and he will go to the next slide. Give us a new one so that we operate on a new plane and a new level. And now our cycle begins to run, not on the broken label that someone else put on us or the nasty label that we put on ourselves or the awful name that those who love us most gave us. Instead, the cycle spins around who God says I am. And there's a reset in my life. I want to show you one more thing. 
The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? He never gives him his name. Why? Because in ancient, in spiritual lore and in ancient culture, to know someone's name is to have control over them. Therefore, God not only knows Jacob's name, he changes it, gives him a new one. God knows him and has control over them. But Jacob will have no control over God. Don't ever think you can command God. Jacob will not control God, but God will control him. God will rename him. God will bless him. God will do more through him than he ever thought possible. So Jacob called that place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. Watch. And he was limping. And he was limping. Did you know that when God touches you and God changes you, there'll be pain involved, but when it's done, you'll walk so differently the world will notice? He was limping because of his hip. Here's what I want us to know. I want you to know that the world has labeled you. I want you to accept that. For many of you, the label is not positive in your life. It's broken, it's messed up. Shy, not a good leader, poor employee, angry. I mean, the, the, name, your, name, your, name your label. Somebody's put it on you. For many of you, somebody else put it on you. For some of you, your parents gave it to you. That loser label that I have, I have the best mom in the world. Everybody understand this? My mom is awesome. I love her. She loves me. She's taking care of me. She, 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 my mom has forgotten all the bad I've ever done. She has. She told me, she's Michael, I can't think of a single thing you ever did wrong. <laughs> and I just look at her and say, mama, that's because I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know, I have the best mom in the world, but she has this insecurity thing that she put on me. And I came to realize that about a year or two ago. And all of a sudden, I realized that label was placed there by someone who didn't mean to hurt me. Someone who was trying to protect me but gave me the wrong label trying to protect y'all, all right? For some of you, you've put it on yourself. You've labeled yourself this thing or you've allowed the enemy of your soul to label you. And I'm here to tell you, God will set you free, but you can't change your pattern until you change your cycle, and you can't change your cycle until you let God change your name. But he will. He's the one that will break through your I am and turn it into what he means for you to be. What if your I am became what God would? See, then we can see victory that he gives. Not that we earn. I think that a lot of things in modern culture maybe are better. People are more accepting of one another. But one thing I think is very wrong in what I see as modern Western culture is that people accept people by labeling them and keeping them in a given category. And we do that to ourselves. 
I'm here to suggest you should let God break that. Let God set you free. Somebody here walked in the door today wrestling with the fact, I am fill in your blank. You didn't even know if church was the place you were supposed to come to today because obviously somebody who is fill in your blank doesn't belong here. And yet you're here because this is what God wanted to say to you. God wants to set us all free from these negative, broken, limiting labels. Because I am not. Y'all, I wish, okay, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like I've figured it out. I'm still wrestling. Everybody's got it? But I am not a loser. I am a child of God. Do you hear that? I am not a loser. I am a child of the king, and the king will be victorious. Which means I don't have to win the battle. I just have to be on his team. Can I talk American football for just a minute, and maybe 12 of you will understand? I don't have to be the best football player in the world. I just got to be on Tom Brady's team. I have no idea how to do that in Australian sport, but you do. I just got to get on God's team and then he labels me and I live in a whole new reality. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, in this moment, would you move across this room freely? You've been here the whole day, the entire time. This, this, this entire service has been marked and filled with your presence and with your power and with your peace. This place, Lord, this property, Lord, is holy ground. You are here and you work here and today you want to work in our lives. So God, what I ask is I ask that you today would show us the false labels that have been placed on us or, Lord, show us the labels placed on us that aren't false. But, Lord, then show us that you can and you will deliver us from them. You are sufficient. You are more than enough. So, Father God, what I ask is that you deliver us. Here's what I'd like to do. The band is going to sing a song. While they sing, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to bring the label that has been stuck on you to the very foot of the cross, to the altar. To let God rip it off, which won't be comfortable. There'll be pain involved. But then to let him put a new one on you. I'm asking you to take the first step today in that wrestling match with God where you allow him to finally take control and change the definition of who you are. Perhaps today's your day. If it is, don't you let anything hold you back. Don't let fear of what anybody else thinks keep you in your chair. Instead, come forward and find what God has for you. 
Would you stand with us? Holy Spirit, as we sing the song, give us courage. Give us direction. Lord, give us freedom. God, give us a new name.